We do have one prayer request. Uh, baby Amaro Addy is receiving his um, kidney transplant today. So we're going to pray for him now, and I want you to continue to pray for him throughout the day. Well, you all know what to do. You know what I'm saying. So we will do that, and we will hold him up before the Lord. God has always good plans for us. Amen. He has plans to heal and plans to restore, plans to make us whole. So, Father, we thank you for this little child's life, and we thank you, Lord, that you are already guiding the doctor's hands, that you are right there. You are the great physician. You are the greatest surgeon. You're the expert surgeon. And we thank you, Father, to make sure that everything goes well. We thank you for angels that inhabit that uh, operating room. We thank you, Father, for the blood of Jesus that has paid for this new kidney for him. We bind rejection. We bind infection. We take authority. Satan, you have nothing to do with this. We give you the day off, Satan. You don't have anything to do with this. you got to go. You're not in this. You're not involved in this. And we command you away. We use our keys of authority. And we thank you, Lord, that he is bound and he is removed from this situation. And the blood of Jesus prevails. The glory of God descend upon that operating room and into recovery. In Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Amen and amen. Amen, amen, amen. So today we're going to talk about the fact that you shall receive power. Ye shall receive power. Y'all shall receive power. Ye all shall receive power. Talking about people who are believers. Jesus uh, admonished the disciples. You know, whenever Jesus calls us to do something, he already has planned what we're going to do. And so sometimes, too, we get excited about what uh, he's calling us to do, and we run off with some of our plans and uh, some of his plans and all kind of excitement. And I'm sure there was excitement in Jerusalem when Jesus was raised from the dead, but they was like, he's leaving? You know what I'm saying? And so as he was leaving, he gave the church instructions and promised to return. And I think the soon return comment was what got them busy wanting to do the work of God. They said, oh boy, if we get this done, he'll be back soon, you know. And then that's always a good thing to hasten the Lord's return and to talk about the Lord's return. But he did admonish them not to go and do anything until they were endued with power from on high. You have to be clothed with that word endued really means to be clothed with power from on high. Many people will argue with you, well, I'm saved, I'm born again, I got the Holy Ghost. Yeah, but you don't have the clothing. You got him inside, but you're kind of naked on the outside. And so it's the endowment with power from on high that we need to do the work of the ministry. And so when Jesus told them to go and wait for that uh, uh, outpouring of the Spirit, it was a good thing because from that day forward, the church was totally empowered to do every work that God had called them to do. And so you don't have to ever be concerned about, am I qualified? Can I do this? Is this above my pay grade? As you know, all this kind of stuff that we get into and talking about qualifications. Have you received since you believed? Man, you have been endued with power from on high. And what does this empowerment do for us? Well, it tells you here in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, verse 7, it says, And he said to them, It's not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own power, 
But you will receive your power. Man, there's certain things the Father knows and he's empowered to do. And there's certain things you are empowered to do. And he says, you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and into the uttermost parts of the earth. And when he had spoken these things while they beheld, he was taken up in a cloud and was received out of their sight. So what is this power? What, what, does, what does this power, a witnessing power, really do for us? What does that mean? Because I think we, we sometimes have an idea of what uh, empowerment by God means. And, and I think sometimes we kind of don't understand all the ramifications of it because when you're clothed with power from on high, there's an uh, endowment that comes upon you that allows you now to be an eyewitness to certain things. Amen? You're an eyewitness to certain things. So what does an eyewitness really do? Well, they can give an account of a particular happening or a particular situation, and they have perceived it with their own eyes, their own ears, their own uh, taste or smell. There's something, you know, an eyewitness can say, well... You know, I was coming down the street, and all of a sudden, I saw this man. Well, give me a description of that man. Oh, well, he was, he was a male, and he was six feet tall, and he was, you know, Caucasian or black or whatever. And, and uh, you know, he was, he was running toward me, and, and when I, he came right past me, and, and uh, he smelled like he hadn't bathed in several days, you know, and that kind of thing. So an eyewitness is 100% invested in that situation with all of their senses and that's what you are when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit you're 100% invested with all of your senses amen into the things of God and so amen and so the more observant we are of God and the more we give ourselves over to the control of the Holy Spirit and the more we can notice things when God tells us to notice things the greater witness you are See, you can you can say uh, the and people will say things like, well, we withheld this knowledge from the public. Nobody would know this except somebody who was actually there. You know what I'm saying? And so we, we are those people here on earth attesting to the works of Christ. We are 100 percent invested in the work of God. Now, what does that mean? That means that you're not missing anything. That means that you can share what you share with somebody about what you can attest to about God is 100% valid. It's 100% real. It's 100% true. It cannot be discounted. It's not, it's not because, you know, a lot of times people say things like, well, I wish I could, could have testimonies like, uh, like Miss Nola does or maybe Miss Sheree does. Your testimony is just as valid as theirs because you're 100% invested in God. What you see and what you know about God is highly valuable. You got me? Because you're a witness. Think about it. If there was somebody who was about to go on the death row and there was somebody who knows somebody else did their crime. Do you know the value of that person who was actually there and saw that? That's you. And that's me. That's us, folks. We're 100% invested in the things of God because we have been endued with power from on high. 
we think the baptism in the Holy Spirit is just a one-time occurrence, or we think about it as tongues only. But let me tell you something. Your eyes are open to greater things. Your mind is open to greater things. Everything about you is open to greater things. Now, you may not think much about it, because many times what we experience in God and how we experience God, it, it goes on in such a quiet and unseen way inside of us. Sometimes you'll, you'll listen to a, a teaching or a sermon, and God will start to stir you up on the inside, what we call being quickened by the Holy Spirit. Something inside you came alive just for like a flash, like that. And it's here and it's gone. The Bible talks about the wind that blows wherever it listeth. You know, who knows where the wind is going to blow and how the wind is going to blow. But he blows your direction and he shows you things and he enlightens you. He validates our experiences. He tells us if these experiences are of God or if they're not of God. And so he's highly valuable on the inside of each and every one of us. Don't ever discount your value in God's kingdom. Don't ever consider yourself a minor player. By the same token, nobody should consider themselves a major player. It just all depends on where God positions you and your level of obedience to him and how you respond to the things of God. But I am telling you that because you have been endued with power from on high, you have a witness inside of you. You have words to say. You have things to attest to. You have experiences with God. You have knowledge of God. These are highly valuable things that cannot be refuted. Because the Holy Spirit bears witness with your spirit. And he begins to give you a, a peace on the inside of you about what's going on in life. And when you share things with people, I don't care if the outcome seems to be negative. After you share it, we know that we've all had experiences where people will get angry with us. If we say something, you're not trying to be mean to people, but they fly off the handle at you and and all of this kind of thing. Well, right there, there's power in that that testimony that you just gave. See, number one, because it got a reaction. If there is no power, there would not be a reaction. And you're not in charge of the reaction. All you are is a witness. You ever see witnesses go into protective custody because what they have to, to share is so powerful and so damning against the opposition? That's us. See? That's us. Because we have been, just the fact that you have received the gift of the Holy Ghost means that you're, you have been enlightened in a brand new way. Y'all know the difference because most of us get saved, born again first, and then later on we receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And you know once you receive that second empowerment from God, everything changed. I remember Pastor Shirley said that she, she said the birds sounded different to her, you know, that your senses coming alive in a new way. Why? So that you can be a proper witness. If you can't see, you can't talk, you can't hear, you can't do nothing, you're no good witness. You got me? And that's just the way people are without that. They have a, a degree of a witness. 
And don't get me wrong, the Holy Spirit living in you, when you're born again, you have a testimony of a born again experience. But your witness is not as strong as if you were baptized in the Holy Spirit. See, somebody's going to have to come along and give a stronger witness. You know, they always say in the mouth of two, or the Bible says in the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word is established. Well, in the natural realm, in the, the, the world of law, uh, the, the testimony of two witnesses. They always say you have to have a witness and a corroborating witness. So more than one person has to say this is real or we can't. But see, not with us. With us, if, if we're the only person that ever tells them about the Lord, that's going to get them into heaven. See, that's enough to get them into heaven. See? That's enough to get them into heaven. And so it's good to know. What our testimony, how powerful our testimony is, how valid our testimony is. You're not just somebody that had a one-time experience with God and, and you know, that's as far as it goes. You're, you're constantly being informed of who God is on a greater level, continually. Every time you open your Bible, your witness is getting stronger because you're getting more informed about who God is. Amen. Every time we come together in the name of the Lord and receive the word of God, you get more and more informed of who God is. <coughs> and that witness is strong. It's like we always say one word from God can change your life forever. And it's absolutely true. It's absolutely true. When it comes from a witness who really knows God and is empowered by God as a true witness for him, it's, it's absolutely true. That one word will change somebody's life forever. Matthew 28:18. that's our mandate in the church. I'm going to show that to you. I don't want to get too far away from... I'm going to say 28. <clears throat> okay. Verse 16, the 11 disciples went away into Galilee to a mountain where Jesus had appointed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spoke unto them, saying, all power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Now you see that where it says some doubted? Yes. See, that's the difference between the endowment with power from on high Amen. Jesus had breathed on them earlier and he said, receive ye the Holy Ghost for the power for remission of sins. Now, there's two two empowerments of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes we get it all at one time, but oftentimes they're separate. You must come to God in repentance. You have to come to him and know your sins are forgiven. That's number one. That's very, very important. So that's what generally happens. They call it the Bethany experience. That's where they were when they, Jesus, he said, and breathed on them. And he said, receive ye the Holy Ghost. Whosoever sins you forgive, they are forgiven. Whosoever sins you retain, they are retained. So you have an empowerment there for the forgiveness of sins. Amen. So that you can walk in righteousness before God you can walk in holiness before God you can obey the commandments but there is yet another empowerment for what I call the priesthood because it's an enrobing 
that comes upon you. When he says, wait until you're endued with power from on high, that was the enrobement of the priest. You know, in the Old Testament, the priests always had to be all garbed up before they could go before God. It's the same thing with us. You don't just go to him, just say, hey, remember when I said, pray that prayer, Jesus, here I am again. You have to be endued with power from on high. You got me? You have to be enrobed with the power of God so that you can be a good high priest, a faithful high priest, a witness, an eyewitness testifying of what you've seen and heard from God. See, we can all have different experiences. I can tell you, if you line up, Uh, three or four people who are not baptized in the Holy Spirit, you'll get more unbelief than you get faith. Because their ability, what the, what the baptism in the Holy Spirit does is the Bible says it, 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 uh, um, increases your most holy faith. So you don't have to rely on natural faith anymore. You have the most holy faith of the Son of God. And that's very precious. Every time you pray in tongues, the Bible says it builds you up in your most holy faith. It's that ability to believe like Jesus yes. believes and yes. with nothing yes. holding, holding you back. Yes. If you don't have that ability to edify your spirit and believe with most holy faith, what will happen in times of need, you'll lean on your natural man's faith. Yes. Huh? Yes. Go to the doctor. Get some pills, argue with people when they tell you they're praying for a miracle, you know, all that kind of stuff. You got me? It's just not there. And so what God wants us to do is always be fully clothed. He wants you fully empowered. Even if you think you don't do anything with what you receive from God. You know, there are some people that say, well, you know, I'm just too shy to witness. I'm not comfortable doing that and doing that. You pray in tongues for a good ten minutes and see what won't explode on the inside of you. Huh? You're just not stirring up the gift. See, once you're, you're, you're built up in your most holy faith, it's like this, this meek little person that you used to be all of a sudden wants to go out and tear up the world for God. See? Amen. And that's what it's for. It's the Bible says the spirit of the Lord will come upon you and you're changed into another man because of that spirit. It happened even in the Old Testament. So you can't have too much of the Holy Spirit. You can have too little, but you can never have too much. And so when you begin to stir up the gift of the Holy Ghost that's within you, when you're born again and not spirit filled, you have an impartation of the Holy Spirit and you are sealed, the Bible says, until the day of redemption. You're empowered to forgive. You're empowered to live as a Christian to a degree, but that power for witnessing ain't there. Amen. And it's got to be there. And I think what we have done in order to not offend people, we've tried to allow them to feel that they were empowered. There are many people who pray in tongues the first time they get baptized in the Spirit, but they're not endued either because they don't generate enough energy and enough power to observe the things of God for real. You know, like you can believe God for a miracle for real and you're not just going along with the crowd. You ain't lying. And not trying to pretend some religious game and go along with the pack and uh, I decree and I declare and I believe and I receive. You know, all that kind of nonsense. You don't do that when you're a witness. 
when you're a witness, there's something you're holding on the inside of you that you that, that you know you can attest to the power of God. And you can get yourself involved in that. Amen. And you can do the works of Jesus. A witness is somebody who can reenact what they have observed. Huh? That's a true witness. You'll see people even in a courtroom. Sometimes lawyers get desperate and think they're going to lose if they don't do something real quick. And they'll get them people up and they start going through. And well, how did that happen? What, can you show me what it looked like? Well, you know, that kind of stuff. So the, the, we do the best job of imparting knowledge of Christ, the, the powerful knowledge for conversion of Christ. So it says here, it says here that the, the disciples were with him, but some doubted. And so he wants to make them believers. In verse 18, sorry, Matthew 28:18, Jesus came and spoke to them saying, "All power is given unto me in heaven and earth." He says, "Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I commanded you." And this is the important part, I'm with you. Amen. Lo, I am with you always even unto the end of the age. With us how? With us in full power. He's not just holding our hands, sitting back on the sidelines, waiting for us to get up and do something. He is pulling us into the arena of witnessing for him. Always. Always. This is God's idea. This is not your idea. You can cooperate and you can help. Or you can just, you know, <laughs> sit along the sidelines. But he's going. You understand? He's going for people. Whether, whether we believe it or not. So what does a witness do? A witness has, has had a first-hand encounter, a first-hand encounter, up close and personal, with certain facts, occurrences, either by observation or by interaction. So when we have, say for instance, God may, may give you a dream or a vision or something. It, it, it comes to you very, very real. That's an interaction with it. Because those things will come to pass because they're God. Amen. See, if they're God, they'll come to pass. He don't just wake you up and show you something and just, look what I can do. You know, come on, Barb, let's play. You know, you play. It will come to pass. And so our, our ability to lock in in faith is what causes us to interact with these things. You got me? You interact by faith. You believe what you observe, you believe what God is telling you, you believe what you see, and you believe it's coming to pass. So you are a true eyewitness because you're interacting in the spirit with this thing even before it happens. There are certain things that I know God's going to do, and he's going to use us. And I've interacted with it enough in the spirit now to know that I know that I know that it is coming to pass. There's no doubt about it. You understand? If I'm not here when it happens, but it's going to happen. You understand? It's going to happen to somebody somewhere down here because I've seen it in God. And so that makes me an eyewitness. Well, what do you mean eyewitness? Ain't nothing happened like that. It's coming. Amen. And I know it's coming. Amen. And the more people I can tell is coming, the more people will believe it, and the stronger our faith is, and it will hasten it getting here. Amen? So we can all be eyewitnesses. 
An eyewitness, we says, has a first-hand encounter with certain facts, occurrences, either by observation or interaction. And he can give testimony. Ooh, that's important. That's important. Because that's where the power is. It's on your words. See, the testimony is very important. That's why, like I said, in a courtroom, if you can get that witness to the jury or or to that courtroom, it's going to decide who's going to wind up winning that case or not. Because that witness's testimony is extremely important. Extremely important. So he can give testimony to what he has seen and observed. An eyewitness gives testimony of what they perceived through their senses, sight, sound, hearing, touch, taste, and smell. We have four eyewitnesses to the ministry of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And they state that we are eyewitnesses of these things. So it was important for them to write down what they saw. When you see an eyewitness account, if there's credibility there, you will believe what that eyewitness says. Hmm? You'll believe it if there's credibility there. The best thing we can do as believers is open our mouths and let God fill it with words. Amen? And he promised he would do that. You know where we lose traction and lose our credibility as witnesses is when we try to change it, pretty it up, don't want to offend anybody. I don't like saying this in front of people when we start diddling around with that. See, the more human faith you put in things, the less powerful your witness is. Just go blab it, blurt it out. I mean, the best way you can get it out of your mouth, get it out of there and let God empower your words. But if you try and change it, like God doesn't have enough wisdom to know how to reach this person, or you don't want to lose this person as a friend if you have to tell them certain things, all that kind of nonsense. See, a a faithful witness is what we want to be. A faithful witness will share what they observe and what they know and not try to change it in any way. Amen? This is what's wrong with sinners in the world now. This is why not many of them get saved. Is nobody's telling them really what they know about God. See? We preach the same gospel to everybody. If you will repent from your sins, Jesus Christ will receive you and you will be born again. Well, can I still sleep with my boyfriend? And No, you can't do that. But I'm telling you one thing. Once he begins to make changes in you, you won't want to anymore. Amen. I'm a witness to that. That you won't want to. I don't care what kind of sin you're involved in. God's big enough to take care of a homosexual's desire for somebody of the same sex. He's big enough to take care of some man who's married and has got 15 girlfriends, a different one every year. He's big enough to take care of all of that. And so if we will just give them what we know, what do you know about God? See, sometimes to us it doesn't seem to be very powerful. But I'm going to tell you, a drop of water to a thirsty person is life-saving. Amen? It's life-changing. And we have to understand that we do have that power. So an eyewitness gives testimony of what they perceive through their senses. They were actually there. Sight, hearing, touch, taste, and smell. And that's us. We're enrobed with the power of the Holy Spirit. Through the, the listening and hearing of the Word of God, we are actually there 
with Jesus doing the things that he did. We are there. The Bible says Jesus Christ is the same, what, yesterday, today, and forevermore. So if, he, if we can attest to the fact that he did those things then, we can say he'll do them now. And that's, that settles it forever. You'll try and not believe that he'll do it now. And then at some point you'll get desperate enough for a miracle and you'll cry out and you'll find out that he'll do it now. Amen? So your witness even goes that far. Your witness goes as far as helping your own life. Amen. And so you become a living, walking testimony continually every day of what God, of the power of God, of the power of the gospel and of the power of God's word working through a believer. There are certain other kinds of witnesses uh, we'll mention a little bit. A hearsay witness is a person who has second-hand information about a, a, an event. Say the eyewitnesses was actually there. The hearsay witness is somebody who heard somebody say they were there or maybe heard somebody who actually was there tell what they saw. But a hearsay witness is not as powerful as an eyewitness. Ma'am, never as powerful. Many of us were hearsay witnesses because we became eyewitnesses. Amen. Somebody told you something about church people. You understand what I'm saying? That's hearsay. Because you don't have that upfront personal encounter with God yourself, so you can only go by. And that's what the majority of people in the world go by, is their hearsay. Uh, them Christian people, uh, they're just a bunch of hypocrites. You know, now we're going to hear a lot about of that with this thing with the Duggars, you know. And they, it's like they're sinners, and they wallow in their sin. But we can't be sinners and get forgiven and live out the true testimony of Jesus Christ. We can't ever do anything wrong or we get crucified. Okay? Don't live under that bondage. Don't let man put his bondage on you. You live as a, a, uh, a person who understands God and knows God. You know the power of the blood of Jesus to forgive sins over and over and over again. And if you didn't need it, it wouldn't be made available to you. First John says, if you say you, you don't have any sin, you lie to yourself, you deceive yourself. But if you sin, you have an advocate. That's what they don't have. They don't have an advocate. Huh? And they can only point the finger in a legalistic way at, at everybody else. <clears throat> so a hearsay witness is a secondhand witness and not as much credibility. Hearsay witnesses sometimes can lead a person to the real witness. You know, if you say, for instance, if there's a crime in the neighborhood and the police canvass the people to see, well, what have you heard? Have you heard anything about this? What, what are they saying on the streets about who's responsible for this? And they'll take hearsay until they can get the perp in there and sled him out and see if they can get a confession. You know what I'm saying? The perpetrator is always the eyewitness. So how many perps do we have in here? I'm a perpetrator. I am. I'm a perpetrator of the works of Jesus Christ. Amen. I'm an eyewitness. I can perp too. Amen. Because I can do the works of God. Amen. And there's no harm in saying that. Another type of witness would be an expert witness. And this is somebody who alleges specialized knowledge relevant to the matter of interest. And this knowledge helps either make sense of the evidence 
including other testimony, documentary evidence, or physical evidence. So a fingerprint expert, DNA experts, those, kind, those are expert witnesses. They help interpret the evidence that's presented. Expert witness. There are some people who are, are very much in tune, alert, and aware to things related to salvation. So they can, for instance, uh, I, I know some people who can create an open door out of anything. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's, they'll just listen, 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 and boom, you know, they see it when nobody else does. You know, somebody who wants to uh, share about uh, the things of God and say there may be four or five of us sitting around trying to share with this person and one person comes up and they zero in and they boom, get the open door to do that. And that person sometimes is so rehearsed in hearing the voice of God to lead them into that type of interaction with a person. They're your expert witness. Uh, your pastors, your fivefold, should be your expert witnesses. You understand what I'm saying? Because they're endowed. See, the, uh, a ministry gift spirit is larger than a believer's. Because it has to hold the gift in there too. I can, I usually, I can tell when I'm pre-praying with somebody, even if they're not really in the flow of their ministry. They're called. You can tell there's a draw there that's stronger than a believer's draw. It has to be because we have to do more work than you do. We have to think more. We have to figure things out more in God. We have to spend more time with it. Uh, you know, in God, preachers don't have a lot of time to goof off, you know, or shouldn't. I don't even want to go there, you know. <laughs> I said I was going to be straight today. I mess it with nobody today. But you know what I mean, you know. They have a large capacity for understanding the things of God, and they should because they, they don't have time to goof around with other stuff. And when God called the ministers, the first ministers he ever called were the Levites. And they, he said, you have no portion of land of your own. I am your portion. Which means I got enough for y'all to do. You know, you get yourself together, live in your community. You got to take care of the sanctuary. You got to slaughter all these animals. You going to busy, be busy because John down there is a bad brother. <laughs> he going to be bringing you little animal sin offerings all day long. You understand what I'm saying? So <laughs> you ain't got time to do this other kind of stuff. You ain't got time to be arguing with your neighbors and stuff. Get your robes on and get to getting. And so, yeah. And so that, that life of ministry gift is something that encompasses all of your thinking almost you know people and it depends on how much you're given over to it you know you want to have what they call a normal life I don't know what normal is you understand what I'm saying normal for me is different from normal than normal for other people but you know I would tell the girls even I enjoy doing certain things now don't get me wrong say this ain't uppity uppity and lower lower that's not I'm not going there but I would always tell the girls, and you all know we cook and for the, you know, empowerment the Sunday after. That's our friends and family Sunday, and and I enjoy doing that. But I warned them. I said, look, when the preach comes on me, get out of my way because I'm done cooking. Yeah. 
You understand what I'm saying? And don't try to get me involved in a lot of mm-hmm. Because when that gift gets turned on, I don't know when it's going to get turned on. Sometimes God has given me something I'm comfortable. I know what I'm going to do. And then it's all together different. You know, it's like five minutes. You just get the clothes on, Barb, and shut that down. we got to go over here and do what you're really called to do. See, that's what I'm really called to do. I enjoy doing other things. I enjoy doing these things, but I'm really called to do this. So what you're called to do, you're called to do. Amen. And I respect that. I respect that in everybody. So praise God. But an expert witness alleges specialized knowledge. Amen. Apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. Specialized knowledge in those areas of understanding what God is doing through that gift and that ability. This knowledge helps to either make sense of other evidence. Well, Pastor Shirley, I've been praying about this for a long time, and I don't know if this is I'm going the right direction or not. So you come for counsel to make sense of what's going on in your life. Does it add up? Are you on the right track? You got me? And sometimes corrections have to be made or adjustments have to be made, and we're glad to do it. But for the most part, it's encouraging you to stay with what God has given you, or sometimes that didn't come from God, and go pray about it again, and let's see if we can get a better result for you. But it's always to get a good result for you. Amen? Reputation witnesses. One who testifies about a person or a business entity when reputation is material, when it's relevant, when reputation is material, amen, to the situation or to the dispute at issue. So if your reputation is important, then you get a reputation witness. Now nobody in here needs one. Your reputation is hidden with Christ in God. The devil can't destroy who he can lie about you. But they won't stick. You know, the Bible says to do agree with your adversary quickly. You know, I'm, I'm so thankful I learned that so many years ago. Or I'd have been fighting with everybody. You know, people lie on you and tell you people don't come to your meetings and don't trust them. And they doing this and they doing that. And, you know, and I just told the Lord, I said, well, Lord, I'm not going to. I don't have to win an argument. I don't have to strive with anybody. I said, I'll just let you speak for me. And sometimes I don't say anything. I look at people and keep going. I say, well, God, you know, you straighten them out or you tell them or straighten me out one of the two. But I know what you told me to do. And I'm doing my best to do it. Now, that doesn't mean I do it perfectly in everybody's eyes all the time. But I got him to please. See, y'all love me one day and don't like me the next. Just depending on what side of the bed you got up on. So I don't go there no more. Huh? It's the truth. You should be the same way. Don't let people change you. Let God change you. How are you going to have two masters changing you all the time? Let God change you. Now, I'm not saying just go around being abrasive. You know, nobody wants to do that. People don't even have that in their minds to do. You know what I'm saying? It's just not even right to think that way about people. They're just doing that on purpose. You don't know. You don't know what you're doing on purpose. It's the truth. <laughs> you know, half the time you, like Paul said, the thing that I want to do, I don't do it. And the thing I hate doing, I keep doing it over and over again. It's enough to keep up with your own little beeswax. You know what I'm saying? 
<laughs> and love one another. You know, encourage one another and strengthen one another. You know, if a brother's weak, you don't come and just point out their weakness to him. You try to strengthen them and, you know, find something that they do well and encourage them to keep doing that, you know. Stay away from the, the nonsense, but let's just get up and let's keep going in God. You know, we keep killing each other. Ain't going to be many of us left. You understand what I'm saying? I mean, come on now. We've got us gotta stick together. <laughs> All right. So we are empowered to witness because we have firsthand knowledge of God. There's, that's the power. What you observe and what you know is your power. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation for all who believe. And when we are clothed with power from on high, we receive supernatural ability to observe life in a new way. So what you're doing is kind of like what Superman does. You know, you take them a little, go to Clark Kent, take the natural glasses off and strip down to his radar can see everything, you know, take off flying in the right direction. That's us, amen. We have supernatural ability now to observe life. And what that means is that when God begins to show you things, he is beginning to build knowledge of himself inside of you. That's an impartation of him into you. Something that you can share, something you can draw from, some knowledge, a reservoir of knowledge and confidence in him that you have and that we need so that we can be true witnesses in the earth. A witness is somebody who we said who can attest to things, who can share what they know. But your witness also is something that's developed outside of your awareness of it. Amen. It's developed outside of your awareness of it. The Bible says we are open epistles known and read by all men. You know what that means? That means that your life is an open book to anybody that God wants to show it to. Anybody who wants to reveal who you really are, he will reveal who you really are. That's why many times, you know, you'll have situations where people will seek you out for certain things. Uh, because they know your capability. They know that you're, you're an open epistle. They know who you are, sometimes better than you know yourself. Sometimes people will call on you to do certain things, and you thought to yourself, well, why am I doing this? You know, I mean, <laughs> why me? <laughs> you know, somebody brought a prophet, brought somebody over here for me to pray for, and I'm thinking, you sat up in this car with this man all the way over here, and you didn't have a word? I mean, you know, it's what your goofy mind says sometimes. But then, you know, you get in your dignified robe and you go, oh, the prophetess is here, you know. <laughs> she, she was way out for a minute, you know. You'd be in, out, way out. But <laughs> you know, you just forget these things. But your carnal mind goes way out like that. You say, I can be brought to move in. You know what I'm saying? Do we have a gift? Or, you know, no, I'm messing that's with you. But, <laughs> is it time to take a gift? Yes, all the time. No. <laughs> but you know, you know what I'm saying. You, you go through those things. But see, when you're an open epistle known and read by all men, then they are seeing something in you that only God is showing them. 
you can't show this to people. You can't show it to folks. It's amazing how God works. Amazing. The power we have just in our words, just in your, your, your sitting under the word and letting the Holy Spirit just show you different things, things you get excited about or things you say amen to or things you decide, I'm going to write that down. Even if you don't read it when you got home, I do the same thing. You know what I'm saying? <coughs> but it feels good to punctuate them. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Maybe if I read them, I'd really take off. You know what I'm saying? I'd scare myself. Who could do that? I didn't see that. You know what I'm saying? But but it's it's amazing what God does within us when we just obey. Remember getting baptized in the Holy Spirit, you're so nervous. Somebody told you to hold on, somebody told you to let go, somebody told you this, somebody told you that. But you made it through. Huh? You made it through. <laughs> I was thinking about this the other day. I said, I was thinking about Pastor Shirley and how she's just able to minister that to people, you know, just through uh, the word of knowledge of the Holy Spirit, just how to get people engaged and so that they can get. And I'm thinking, I said, and I'm sweating and looking for another can of bubbly and somebody say somebody else. I mean, when it's not the flow, I mean, you know there's a flow somewhere, but it's when it's not working for you, it just ain't working. I mean, we get the job done, but it ain't purdy. Let me put it to you, it ain't purdy. <laughs> like a lot of stuff I do, but there's another story. But you know what I'm saying. It's just some people just are endued with that, lock into it. And it's an expert witness again. You know, you know, we know that if anybody comes in here and need tongue, we know what we're going to do, don't we? <laughs> And she's trying to get us to have confidence that God will use us too. And we keep putting them on. That ain't right. But we do it anyway. But we get the job done. Amen. So these are, so we're open epistles. We know these things about one another. Amen. We know these things about one another. <clears throat> we are new creations. Second Corinthians 5.17 tells us that. So we shed our old abilities and ways. Now, you know, the thought might come to you, uh, you know, if so-and-so make me mad one more time, I'm just going to quit serving God. But you ain't going to do that. Because you wouldn't know where to start. Huh? You wouldn't. Start, stop serving him and do what? Huh? <laughs> it's like, what's your next move? And all the witnessing you've done and all the things that you've done in the name of the Lord, what's going to happen to all that stuff? Yeah. And what's going to happen to all them prayers you pray and wanting to see the testimony? You enjoy seeing the, the fruit of those prayers too, like everybody else. What are you going to do with that? So as a new creature, that old man has really passed away. We like to bring him up every now and then and threaten somebody with a dead corpse. Huh? <laughs> so we are new creations shed the old abilities and ways are empowered by God with his abilities and he makes himself known to us by changing us into his glorious image that's how he knows you is through empowerment and change 
Every time you come face to face with God in the word and you receive what you do by faith, sometimes if you argue with it, you change. Because he'll wrestle you down to get you to believe it. Because it'll be for your good to believe the word of God. Amen. We are further transformed as we allow his knowledge to help us understand him, his life, his rule, his vision for us and for all humanity. So as you lock in more to God, he reveals more to you. You start to get a picture of where this earth is going. What, what's going to happen to this situation? You know, if you're called to pray, you know immediately when something hits your ears, if it doesn't hit it the right way, this is something that needs to be stopped and corrected. You got me? And you stop what you're doing and you go to war with that thing. You understand what I'm saying? We are born again of his spirit and can testify to this because there's evidence. There's evidence of you being born again. Number one, there has been a death, but there is no corpse. Okay, so there has been a death, but there is no corpse. That's really the perfect crime. It is. God, God perpetrates the perfect crime on us. There's a death with no corpse. You know, when people know somebody did something to somebody and got rid, they search and search and search for the most minute evidence because there's no body. It's, it's difficult to prove. There is new life, but it's in the same body. So these are both miracles. There's a death, but no corpse. There's new life in the dead body, but the dead body is now more alive than it's ever been. Mm-hmm. So we call that resurrection Amen. life Hallelujah. and power. Amen. You were killed. You were once dead in sins and trespasses. Now you've been raised up to life everlasting in Jesus Christ. Amen. So there's evidence that you're a new creation. Other evidence of the new life. First John 3.14 says, We know that we've passed from death unto life. Because we love them people we used to pick at and make fun of, the brethren. Huh? You love other Christians. You can go to any church or any meeting anywhere, unless there's a lot of religion there, you know, a lot of flesh and stuff like that. You feel right at home. You can go right in, you hear the worship music, you go lift up your hands like you've been sitting next to them people forever. It's love for the brethren. Amen. You know you fit in. You know you can flow with them. You have a new heart. This new heart loves and gives and is softened and tender. Now, all my life I loved giving, but I didn't have anything to give. Frustrating. So sometimes you can hate giving. You can get stingy. <clears throat> if you, in your heart you want to be a generous person, but you don't have the means to do it, those circumstances can turn you around the other way. You become a hoarder. You want to you know, hoard everything. But see, in Christ, that gift can now be turned on the right way by the Holy Spirit. And you know how to work with God so that you have adequate provision and that you can give under direction of the Holy Spirit. Now, there are people that get in trouble with giving because they start not paying their bills. And I don't do that. 
See, somebody who's under God's control, I don't, I don't often get in trouble because of my giving. You understand what I'm saying? If I see where my bank account is, you know, I say, oh, I better. And then you look over here and you see Amazon and Zulily and all them little people, you, QVC and all some of them, yeah, all them woot. Oh, yeah, him too. You got to cancel all them brothers for a season, you know, and get some of that stuff that's backed up there in your, your little corner in your room and let's keep it moving. But see, the, the thing of it is, I'm learning how to let God control it. See, there'll be some times where I don't do it right and sometimes, but I'm not doing it for anything other than, than to please God, see, and to enjoy my life, that, that part of it. And so that's the important part of it. You won't get in debt trying to be a giver if you let God direct your giving. You got me? You won't do it. So we have a new heart. We have a new mind. Your mind is less cluttered with nonsense, whether you believe it or not, than it was before you met the Lord. Huh? Huh? Less given over to shenanigans and you know, wanting to do this and prove this to somebody and show somebody something and, you know, thinking about <laughs> waiting behind a bush and <laughs> jumping on your little fourth grade teacher. She's 80 years old now. you still out to get her. You don't do that stuff anymore, ma'am. So a new mind, we think on things that are what? Pure, lovely, good report, praiseworthy, thankworthy. All the things that, that the epistles tell us to do. We have new vision. We see things as God sees them. <clears throat> this is important because if you give yourself over in your heart, you know, you guard your heart from envy, strife, anger and, and unforgiveness, those things, your eyes become open like God. You begin to see as he sees because there's nothing blinding your vision anymore. You, the pure heart will always see as God sees. And so you have a new vision. You can start appreciating people differently. You have to learn how to cultivate this because there are many people that never develop that appreciation for humanity. Just human beings as they are. Some of us, we can like certain people, you know, if they're broke or, you know, you kind of gravitate. Some people gravitate to people who don't have much, you know, and they can't do much for them either. You know what I'm saying sometimes. But, you know, your natural man will want to gravitate. But I'm talking about uh, seeing people as God sees them. People who have potential. People who have worth. And you value that highly and you want to see that have an impact in the earth. This is what we do. This is why we share the gospel. This is why we share the love of God with humanity is so that that individual life can have the maximum impact in this life as God wants them to have. You're constantly pushing people to, to see that they can do certain things, to see that they're more than what they think they are, to see that they're worth you know, uh, investment in time and that kind of stuff. This is, this is something that's very important. So when we see as God sees, then we have that ability. We have his vision. We have a new purpose to give this eternal life to others. And we have new values. We value what God values. We don't value the old things anymore. You know, I know sometimes people get, I, sometimes I watch and see what the new, who's hot on television, used to be Project Runway. So everybody was into designers and wanting designer this and designer that. And then that peters out after a while. 
once Michael Kors gets you paying for him for six months in a row, you're done with him. Them bags are so purdy. <laughs> and he ain't even saved. Right, right, huh? right. So we have new values. We might get excited about worldly things for a minute, but it passes very quickly. You sober up after the bill comes, if not before. Huh? So. <clears throat> We give testimony to these changes. And when we do, those changes occur in other people. (laughs) You know why? The spirit of Jesus Christ is a a spirit of testimony of Jesus Christ is a spirit of prophecy. It gets replicated over and over and over and over and over again (laughs) in everybody. Every time you share your testimony about salvation and what God did for you, somebody is going to get saved just the way you do. It's a spirit of prophecy. So that's what the Bible means when it says your sons and daughters will prophesy. They shared what Christ did for them. It's not about telling somebody they're going to get a new car. I mean, I would wonder, well, what's going to happen to me if they don't? I mean, a true prophet, that's the first thing that comes to your head is, God, if this ain't you, let me tell people this kind of stuff. Huh? <laughs> So the Holy Spirit then bears witness that our testimony is true. So you have a corroborating witness on the inside of you. And he pushes that knowledge toward the person that you're sharing it with. So you don't have to twi- twist nobody's arm, fall out with nobody, and you know all that kind of stuff. Just open your mouth, let them fill it with words, let that word drop out there. If they want it, they receive it. But I tell you that any time the Holy Spirit gets you involved with somebody, that word will bear fruit. Because it won't come back to him void. Amen? That word won't come back and say, well, I couldn't save them because Miss Nola goofed it up the way she said it. No, it ain't no goofing up this. We can't mess this up. You understand what I'm saying? You can't mess this up. Huh? (laughs) I mean, even on your worst day, you're a better witness any day. You know, sometimes in your weakness, you're the strongest. You know, sometimes you get up and you feel like, man, if I could just go back for another four hours and or get a do-over, you know. <laughs> I don't feel anointed. I don't feel saved. I don't hardly feel anything today. But once you get in that place of ministry in God, He's the power behind what you say. And just you're just cooperating with the Holy Spirit, and He stamps credibility on your words, Amen. He puts the credibility there. You don't have to beg people to believe you. Himself bears witness that our testimony is true. He confirms and makes manifest our words. Those words get real to people. This is important that he back us up because he cannot lie. Hmm? Nothing but truth comes out the Holy Spirit. He always tells the truth so our testimony has God's credibility with it. We are not telling fables. We are telling the absolute truth. Amen. The hearsay witness. This one is not empowered, empowered witnessing. And I'll tell you why. Hearsay really refers to something that you have heard 
about God, but it's not been made alive through the baptism in the Holy Spirit. It's not been made alive that way. It's it's important to understand that the Holy Spirit is the one who makes the testimony real and valid. If there's some power of the Holy Spirit on your words, they'll be convinced some. Why? Because God never fails to validate his own truth. So, for instance, if I'm not baptized in the Holy Spirit and I share with somebody what God did for me and how he changed my life, then there is a a validity there because historically it did happen, but it does not have the same power and the same witness as if you're baptized in the Holy Spirit. So we should be taking the place of some of the other people that are out there talking all the time. You understand what I'm saying? (laughs) Because we have the greatest validation. We have the greatest testimony. And if we will obey God and and give a complete witness, a, a complete testimony of things, you might find, say, if God saved you uh, and you were sick when when he saved you and he healed you as as part of the you know him making you whole again, you'll find that somewhere down the line in that person's life, that issue of healing is going to come up in their life. So they may be sick themselves now. Or they may be facing something later, but that testimony that you gave will be called up at the proper time. Yes. See, a witness is called up at the time when the testimony is needed. Amen. It may not hit everything. Everything you tell them right then and there may not hit their life right there, but it's stored up in there so that the Holy Spirit will bring back to their remembrance what you shared with them, and it will come to life for them again. That happened to me when I was, uh, when, when I heard a woman's testimony, uh, um, when I wasn't saved and I was, wasn't sick at the time, I didn't know I would have a nervous breakdown later. But when I did, the Holy Spirit reminded me exactly what she said, everything that she said. And how, and I kept asking the Lord, I said, well, what is this thing about being saved? I said, is that what I need? Is that what I, because it was stored there for me to call up at that particular time. So never underestimate. Listen, don't look for drama all the time. Don't look for people passing out and shouting and carrying on and all that kind of emotional stuff. But just be the one to be the witness, to give the testimony. Just tell it straight out what God did for you and how he did it. And, and that will, amen. And that will be called up at the time that they need it. Amen. So the hearsay witness is the one who is not empowered, but they may have observed some things about God. And may actually be saved, but they don't have the full power of the Holy Spirit to give a complete testimony of Jesus. So I would say this, it's an incomplete testimony of what God can do. And you want to give a complete testimony. You want to help people as much as you can. You know, if you don't have most holy faith and you don't believe for healing and things like that, how much can you help people? Hmm? You'll have to tell them something. And if you tell them a lie, the Holy Spirit's done with that part of it. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like it went out with the days of the apostles or God doesn't heal everybody. Well, if it's his will, you'll get healed. And, 
you know, all that kind of stuff. That's just not true. And so what you're doing now is you're trying to get the Holy Spirit to attest to a lie. Amen. And that shoots your witness dead right there in his tracks. And so we have to be careful to be empowered from on high. And understand that whatever it says in the Bible is possible. You've got to agree that that's possible. I don't care if you've seen it yourself or not. The first time I prayed for a sick person and God healed them, I'd never seen a healing before. You understand? In my life, I knew it was real because he'd healed me. But would it work through me? I just have to go out by faith and do that. So the first time, there's always a first time for everything. Amen? So, you know, if your husband's screaming and saying, get me some dinner, if you never cooked before, you better get in that kitchen and see who can help you. Put an egg on. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> whatever and hope he likes eggs but this is this is faith this is how most holy faith operates so we're no longer hearsay witnesses so you dropped that a long time ago even if you and I, I'm, I tell you this because there are many people that God is going to use for the first time in doing things because he wants desperately for his work to get done And if you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, you are the one he is going to send. And I don't care if you've never laid hands on somebody. When the Holy Spirit says, do it, you better do it. Because if that's your first time, that's your first time. And you're a true witness because that's been revealed to you in your heart. When you read healing scriptures, you know them scriptures are true. You've seen enough healing schools and you've seen enough healing ministry to know that Jesus Christ is same yesterday, today, and forever still heals people. And don't shrink back because you're no longer a hearsay witness. You got me? Just because it's never happened to you does not mean that your witness is not true. It just ain't happened yet. It's there in the works. It just hasn't manifested fully. It's happened somewhere on the inside of you. On the inside of you, you've seen yourself laying hands on people. You've seen yourself touching people. You've desired to see people well. That's, that's the testimony. That's the witness, see? That's your experience. It's a spiritual experience long before it's a natural experience. Huh? And when it comes out in the natural, it's still a spiritual experience. So we have to learn how to live with these things and operate by faith. But you're the best witness God has got. In your neighborhood. Do you understand me? You're the best one. You're the one that he's sending there to do these things. A hearsay witness is only involved uh, and mostly involved in a carnal realm. In the supernatural things of God. They can only go as far as their natural faith will allow them. Except with what they've experienced and that is salvation. So you'll see God will honor the faith of somebody who can lead another person, so to speak, to Christ. But they still have to be led into the fullness of ministry in God. So those people kind of stay there with a lot of questions about the supernatural power of God until a true witness shows up. Remember in the book of Acts, there was a man, Apollos. They talked about him. He, was, he only knew, they say, the baptism of John. So that would make him somebody who was not spirit-filled. And so, but they would go behind him and get people filled with the Spirit of God. And that's what God wants to happen with everybody. He wants everybody to be endowed with power from on high. He doesn't want to stop us from sharing our testimony. 
but he does want to keep us on the road of further empowerment so that we can get empowered by God. There are many people who are in basic evangelical churches or, or Baptist denominational churches and hungered for more of God and received the baptism in the Holy Spirit. So it's a natural sequence for people to go from one level of power to the next level of power in the Lord. Why God still does it that way, I don't know. It gets a little confusing for me sometimes, but I understand it. He doesn't want to stop anybody from stepping out and sharing Christ. You don't want to keep that witness stifled, but you do want that witness to receive the power to give full testimony of the, of the things of God. Impressing people is not the same thing as witnessing. Amen. The testimony of a true witness stands on its own. The testimony of Jesus Christ, we said, is the spirit of prophecy. This means that as you witness, you prophesy. You speak by the spirit to bring to pass that same experience in others. And this is the real power. Because if if you don't have the spirit of prophecy on your testimony, it won't happen successfully, repeatedly, over and over again, the way the Lord wants to happen. Sometimes people will hear what you say, but it gets entangled in their carnal thinking. People do not have to believe us, but we have a very compelling testimony. Amen. They're not forced to believe us, but our testimony is very compelling. In the book of Acts, it says that when the the apostles would preach, unbelievers could not resist or gainsay. Those words are irresistible when the full power of the Holy Spirit's on them. After a season working with God, you can become an expert witness. Amen? Somebody who uh, can attest to things that, you know, they'll, uh, uh, it'll be easy for you uh, as you begin to share with people to just go into the flow of sharing the things of God with a person. Sometimes they'll get distracted and want to uh, go walk away or something like that. And you keep talking. You can walk along with them a little bit more. And you begin to develop that flow in your witnessing and in your testimony. And you get proficient in it. There are many times when we, I say, when we start out as new believers, newly baptized in the Holy Spirit, we want to go tell everybody. I call it the honeymoon phase. And you run and you tell and you tell and you tell. And then you kind of slow down a little bit. You get a little weary. You get a little this, a little that. And you just need to re-energize yourself and go to God and say, God, I want to run strong all the days of my life. I don't ever want to slow down or stop in what I'm doing for you. And just allow God to further develop your witness and develop your testimony. The more things you do, the longer you live and the more things you do, Uh, In obedience to God in your everyday life, the more powerful your witness is because the more you have to share with people. There may be things that we don't think are particularly noteworthy, but God sees them as very, very important. And, And once they're shared, they become like precious drops of oil to people you know just just the greatest uh thing that can happen to them because of the power that's in that because you've been endued with power from on high we are true witnesses folks we we really are god's greatest witnesses down here i mean we don't look like it we're kind of looking like normal average everyday people We're not blowing our own horn. We're not selling a bunch of books or, you know, all that kind of stuff. We're not on television. But we work for God in our Jerusalem. Amen. In our Judea, in our Samaria, wherever we are. 
we're extremely valuable to God. And this, this gospel won't be won through uh, people who are on television because once they can't afford that they don't nobody knows them anymore you understand what i'm saying and so if you are prominent because you're well known and you're in a certain medium if that's ever taken away from you and i don't wish it on anybody i want people who are out there to stay out there you understand what i'm saying but it's also the believer who will do the work of the ministry as well that's why god imparts it to all who believe He's not just depending on ministers and he's not just depending on television people and personalities, but he's depending on his body. Amen. Every part of his body fully equipped. Amen. And fully endowed with the power from on high. So that's your power for witnessing, folks. You you are very, very powerful people in the earth. I know we have a treasure in earthen vessels and we don't go about making a big deal about who we are, blowing our own horn, because we are humble people. And we have to stay humble to God for the power to work. You know, you start jumping up and being somebody, the power dissipates pretty quickly. And, you know, you're standing there naked and don't even know you are. You know what I'm saying? It power's gone, and it's been gone for a long time. You're the last to find it out. But let's just stay with God and stay the way we are. But look for and anticipate God to use you in a greater and greater way. And when I say greater, I just mean more open doors. Because once you get in that door, the great one comes in with you. And when you open your mouth and he begins to speak for you. Amen. Father, we thank you for the word today. Amen. Thank you for thank you for healing tomorrow. We send a blessing to that family today. We thank you, Father, for allowing us to be able to intercede for this baby because we know that you want him well. You are his healer, Lord. You're the only healer. And we thank you, Lord, that you're undertaking on his behalf right now. In Jesus' name, amen and praise God. Amen, amen, amen. If anybody needs prayer, come on up. Praise God. Anybody need prayer?